Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you are listening to The Friday Forge, a weekly episode where we dismantle short stories, smelt bookish ideas, and hammer out topics brought forth by the Book Reviews Kill community. And this week on The Friday Forge, uh, well, last week, Chad and I offered up one hot take each, and uh, they were pretty tame compared to some of the ones uh, that we're seeing here in the Discord. Boy, oh boy, yeah. As soon as I posted in the Discord and said, hey, can we get some hot takes? Everybody was very very willing to shell out some hot takes of uh, book related hot takes and chad and i are going to read some of them out here and uh you know talk about them a little bit see whether yeah. we agree whether we disagree what we think and please don't think us being like these are so hot is in any way an aspersion towards the answers because i love the fact that we have a community that is not only able but is also willing to get involved with the creative process it adds a lot of value to evan and i's podcasting this it's just cool to see the community come forth in such a large amount like i literally have been trying to copy and paste everyone's answers into a document so i could be like all organized and gave up halfway through because there was so many i'm just going to use the discord and that would be better this is not uh <laughs> there's, a yeah, lot there's quite of a few of them in here and uh, yeah we might even have to do a, a, a part two i don't know there's there's quite a few in here first i want to define hot take and i think one of our uh discord users mr thomas kidda said it best an opinion hill you're willing to die on that most people don't agree with. For example, <laughs> I think Mad Max Fury Road is mid, even lame movie. <laughs> and uh, Indigo, yeah. Indigo replied, that isn't a hot take. That's a fact of which I totally disagree because that movie is awesome. What? That movie is so great. I disagree, too. Yeah, that movie is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody a little bit farther down said, uh, like, they, they leave, they get gas, they come back, or something like like the equivalent of I that. I can see how it's easy to not like it, but man, I love I it so I think, much. Yeah, like, I could watch that movie over and over again. It's my roommate's favorite movie. It. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it my favorite. No, but, like, it's definitely... dialogue for it to be my favorite. It's definitely awesome like just visually i guess maybe if you're looking at it from like a dialogue point of view i could see maybe people think it's a little boring because like no one's really talking throughout the entire thing but i don't know it's fine uh yeah but, so my, mr thomas kidda thank you for sharing your opinion though i disagree but we always want opinions regardless and that is a really good that's a very good example of a hot take because yeah a lot of people disagree with that yeah, yeah. i mean me and evan are proving it right yeah, we're like <laughs> what no way <laughs> So, excellent uh, definition and example. Thank you for that, Mr. Thomas Kidda. Next one is, if Brandon Sanderson was a woman, Mistborn would have been categorized as young adult. Yeah, I could. I don't even know if that's that hot of a take. I feel like with the way that young adult is... You got 20 hundreds on, as comments, as little, like, you know, emoticons that you can respond to. I think a lot of people were like, down with you xda that was from xda i mean i think a good example of that would be like um i mean mistborn uh, tends towards violence sometimes for sure uh but i think if you look at something like six of crows yeah is, that should probably be in the adult section if mistborn is in the adult section absolutely you know, just like, red rising like we just finished that's young adult technically right yeah uh i yeah, think like red rising violent. is in in the young adult uh, i've seen it build as young adult before yeah um i don't know because there's violence like right yeah, genres very, are so very... weird man like i don't it's it's odd because i think that some people classify it as young adult regardless of what the content is if it's about teenagers you know yes and yes it's like ah, i don't know i don't know i don't know what the what you're supposed to do so yeah, yeah. but i do know <laughs> that a lot of women are writing things that if, if they were written by a man probably would be in the adult fantasy section it's a weird shitty thing that is a weird shitty thing yeah it's it's a definite i don't think that's a very hot take i think that's totally yeah it's an important take though because we need to not have that be a thing it's like an example of exactly this problem that a lot of 
women authors use androgynous names right so that we don't right. know that they're a woman like i literally thought robin hobb was a man for the first 10 years i read i love her book one of my favorite authors and then i was talking with evan one day and he's like you know that's a woman right and i was like i did not um and it's sad that they have to do that yeah a lot of women uh, initialize their names too like uh, jk rowling oh. had to do it in the 90s you know because they were worried that uh, little boys wouldn't want to read a book written by a woman and stuff. It's it's a real thing. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, oh, the next hot take is Oli the Rev. He says, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but Storygraph is better than Goodreads. I don't know much about Storygraph. Do you, Evan? Um, I tried it out, and I don't. I think I tried it when it was still kind of like being developed, or they were they were redoing the website or something. I, I, got, I tried. It's like Goodreads, but um, you can get a lot more kind of like clinical with it. Like you can you can like track your reading to like the genre, okay. like page count and stuff like that. It's like a book track organizer social platform, right? Yeah, it's and okay. I think that a lot of people prefer it to Goodreads because of that. Um, I've also heard, and this is you know what I've heard being in the community and stuff. I mean, for one thing, Goodreads is owned by Amazon, so that stops a lot of people in their tracks, for sure. And I've also heard that Goodreads is just kind of like a toxic place, and mm. that it gets very, like... Because you, somebody can leave a review, and then people can comment on that review, too. Oh, boy. And so it can get a little bit toxic in there when somebody kind of, like, puts up a hot take or puts up a review where they kind of, like, tear something down, and then a lot of people disagree. Or then sometimes people put up, like, really just crappy toxic takes on there mm. that are just like oh i don't like that there were so many people of color in this book or some oh, wow some, like way out there thing like that and then you've got like this giant conversation happening in there oh, which boy. i mean should be happening but at the same time it's like it's like this this kind of toxic environment that started right. as a place for book reviews and then but i don't really use goodreads because uh it's just like another social media thing i have right. to up on you know and you're pretty busy and active on social and you know there's something to be said for the kind of this one of the one of the definitions in the name of our podcast book reviews kill is that it's kind of a joke in that like once we review a book if you have not read that book which is why we want you to read it first because you know but uh if you haven't read the book and you listen to the review no power no shade on you if you do but you won't go into that book with yeah. nothing in your mind you are seeing it through a filter that evan and i have created for you uh or the people on goodreads have created for you which i've been victim to yeah, yeah and that's kind of does the same thing i feel like you know if i wouldn't have been looking for all of the rude gestures in Akatar series, I wouldn't have noticed them, <laughs> but I was, and I noticed everyone. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I've, I think Storygraph. I might start one up, and because I like tracking stuff, it's kind of fun. I might not publish it, or like I don't it's know. It's helpful. Yeah, but I can see why people would like Storygraph more than Goodreads. But there are people that swear by Goodreads. I mean, there are, there are definite um, there are people that only leave reviews on Goodreads, and they totally. have a bunch of followers on there, and it's like their community. So right. Right. And anything, you know, there, you know, a tool can be used for good or ill, right? And anything that brings people of like minds together so they can build a community is like has a lot of value, too. So like not only is a bad thing, it can also be a, a tool used for a lot of good. All right. So next one is from Jennifer it says both a hot take and a fact publishing wouldn't exist, especially in its current iteration without romance. I think we can probably both agree. That's like a. I think that's a thing. I think like romance has been holding up book sales for decades. It's as in, it's like the publishing thing. industry wouldn't have the funds to do. Yeah, its I mean, thing. It's just like, yeah, even in its current state, yeah. like romance is pushing a lot of book sales, like a ton of them. There's I authors that you've never even great. heard of, like the one that I read yep, last week for uh, Mondays. Yeah, that was just read. They've read eighty. They've written eighty books. You know, that was Cynthia something. So here's another one uh, that is definitely 
I don't know if it's a hot take. Okay. Run the Gambit said, might be a hot take, might not be, but Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies are better than Tolkien's Lord of the Rings books. Someone had to say it. Somebody had to put it up in there. Okay. Um, Let Let me tackle this here for a second. Tackle it. I think Run the Gambit is both correct and incorrect. And uh, even though that's kind of like a whitewashy, like cop out answer, but it's like, I agree with it. Like I enjoyed the movies more than sitting down and reading the books, but I think the books are the platform for that content to exist in the first place. Like they're so special to me that I'm like kind of looking at through like a filter of nostalgia that I don't think I'm going to be able to get through, but I, I kind of feel what he's saying. I, I kind of feel what they're saying. I, I'm not a big fan of like novelty driving the value in something. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not yes. really, I'm not a huge fan of that uh, when you're looking. Though you are a slave to it regardless. Yeah, I mean, you can't help but, like, take it. <laughs> I, it's hard not to take it into consideration, but I'm still not a big fan of it. Like, um, you know, people are just like, oh, like, Led Zeppelin is the best band of all time because, like, they sounded like Led Zeppelin first or what, whatever the argument. Right. It's just like, I don't know, but there are bands that I like more, you know, like, from today that have had more of an impact on me um so with peter jackson's lord of the rings movies i think it's probably i would argue that it's a a more immersive i don't want to use the word better experience i think it's a more immersive experience i think it's a more approachable experience i think probably a more fun experience it's definitely a shorter experience like i'm i wasn't going to tell anybody this but uh because i just like i didn't think anybody would really care but we get uh, all the good stuff here on the podcast well, like, I'm, I'm rereading lord of the rings right now and um i'm at the council Are you really where you at council of elrond oh cool um, i love it i love it so much um but yeah i mean yeah it's not yeah, for everybody i literally skipped the council of elrond chapter every time i've read it when i was i would kid. definitely be the first person to say like i don't i wouldn't say everybody has to go run out and buy all the lord of the rings books and read them immediately if you want to say that you're a fantasy fan or anything even remotely like that but there is something about the lord of the rings books that those peter jackson movies got as close as i think you could possibly get to making good movies out of those books and i don't think we're going to see anything like them ever again i agree I can say objectively, I've never been more excited to go see a movie that came out in series uh, that came out in the movie theater for when those works came out. Like I yeah. saw each one of them multiple times. Yeah, I was just same. on the edge of my seat the whole time. They never disappoint. I just I love them. If I was stuck on an island and somebody said you can either have the books or you can have the movies, I'd probably still stick with the books. Oh, definitely. Personally, because I think I would just overwatch those movies. Well, yeah, and you can get through them in like 12 hours where the books are going to like take you a little longer, you know? Yeah, but I think uh, those books don't have Howard Shore's soundtrack. They don't have Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Oh, man, Liv Tyler. They don't have Sir Ian McKellen. Like, yeah, they don't have any of the... Uh, so we're going we're, we're gonna to go ahead and just not answer. <laughs> no, not, I can't. I can't. I can't. It's so hard. I love the confidence. I love the confidence around the gambit. Yeah, you, you know what you like. Know what you like yeah you're bold you if uh, if i needed someone to lead a battle charge or you would be my pincer warrior for sure uh okay so the next hot take comes from mudud mudud says hyperion was better as a standalone book than a full cantos cool word catch 22 wasn't funny <laughs> Two hot takes. <laughs> okay so yeah i've only read hyperion i haven't read the whole cantos um hyperion's a a magnificent book it's my favorite science fiction book i tried reading fall of hyperion and i yeah i kind of agree with this like i mean i haven't read the whole canto so i can't say 100 percent, but i definitely couldn't i wasn't super enthralled by the second book and um i don't know like i've heard both things but that take kind of makes sense i mean hyperion is what gets talked about the most 
you know it's kind of like kind of like with the dune series you know like that first dune book like really grabs people then they read dune messiah and i mean i personally think dune messiah is amazing i think it's just as good as the first book but then he did a children of dune god emperor dune things start getting really weird uh yeah. and so nobody's like you know the dune series is so amazing like a lot of people just kind of point towards that first dune book and i think that's kind of the case with hyperion as well but i know people swear by the hyperion cantos and say the entire thing is consistently good but i would tend to agree with this take and what was the other one catch 22 wasn't funny um so i i, I started and didn't finish catch 22 when i was like 20 uh, oh wow because i i would have read this is a satirical war novel right yeah it's supposed to be awesome um but yeah uh that's joseph heller i believe um yeah it's like, joseph heller but uh yeah it's supposed to be i think okay so here's my hot take <laughs> mm-hmm. i think people claim it's funnier than it actually is it did make me chuckle huh. like when i was reading it but then again i was like 20 um so like i i i hadn't really been reading a ton of stuff i think if i read it now I would probably get a little bit more out of it, but I don't, I have a feeling it's not as like just, you know, knee slapping hilarious as everybody says it is. I totally. Would... And it's hard to write a funny book. Quick sidebar. What's the funniest book you've ever read? The funniest book I've ever read. Uh-huh. Um, guards guards by Terry Pratchett is like legitimately funny. Okay. Uh, there's some really... I think lamb was my lamb, lamb is pretty read. funny. Oh, and yeah. fool is really funny too. Also say, by Michael. Um, I'd say you have a different experience with lamb because of your religious upbringing. And so it probably so it probably was like even funnier for you because you could like dig into a lot of the minutiae of what Christopher Moore was like joking about. Yeah. You know, uh, for me, it was like I, I was raised like pretty, pretty agnostic for the most part. That kind of pockets here and there of like going to church and stuff. Christopher but... Moore has a also a very I, re- I relate a lot to his writing style and his the dialogue is really snappy and funny and like witty and, and kind of like like satirical almost. There's a lot of sarcasm in there. Yeah. I mean, Catch-22 came out in the 60s so i think that like by the time i had read it in 2011 or whatever you know it's like if you go back and watch a mel brooks movie right now like yeah it's gonna make you laugh a little bit but it's not like people were like pissing themselves but like i mean a mel brooks movie today is probably not as funny as it was for people that went and saw it in theaters you know, like Blazing Saddles, it's, it's still funny for sure. It's still funny. But it, and you know, like, like Young Frankenstein, that is, it is it's, No, it's funny for sure. But people were like, couldn't hold, catch their breath and like pissing themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, it was that fun. Like when in Blazing Saddles, when people are farting around the campfire, it's like nothing had really been done like that on film before. So it was like such a big deal. Right. The world was also a little more, um, call it, N- not naive but innocent perhaps and so <laughs> you know the game of thrones know. We weren't wasn't alive. We weren't there alive. and so like, oh you mean oh yeah that, but we can look and sense. see what like yeah yeah, yeah. Suits looked like in the 60s you know it's like now <laughs> what might be like really like oh wow yeah. crazy that's like going against the flow and what we're not split like then it was yeah there was a so lot i think more that, i think you know? similar with like catch 22 where um i mean granted i haven't read it in a while and i haven't finished it and stuff but yeah i have a feeling that it's billed as like this book that's just like a total gut buster i don't know maybe but I don't know. I could, I could maybe I should read it again. I don't know. Mr. Thomas Kita, another one by Thomas Kita, uh, said the King Killer Chronicle will will end with Quoth being a brilliant liar, the most unreliable narrator we've ever seen. None of his story we we read will have been true. Oh uh, wow! I disagree with Oof. that one. Yeah, I mean, I can see why. Yeah, for sure, I can see why you think that. But I hope that doesn't sound patronizing. But uh, yeah, I. I I don't, it's a I hot don't take. We're allowed to disagree. Yeah, Most people I, disagree. Yeah. I disagree with that for sure because, like, I just don't think that Patrick Rothfuss would. Like, I know he's got a reputation as kind of an ass, but I really don't think that he would. He would middle. He loves both too much. I don't think he would middle finger not only his audience but his own work like that. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Like, I really just 
I don't see it, it means something deeply to him, and that would be undermining the whole meaning of it all. To his, just to his own craft, like I don't. But I mean, right. a lot of people would argue that him not finishing it is doing the exact same thing. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I don't. I've heard that take before for sure. But the whole like it was all the dream thing, or I was lying the entire time. Um, unless there was like a really good narrative reason for it that that was satisfying, I don't think that Patrick Rothfuss would do it. Yeah. Next hot take comes from Aprilatron. Reading goals based on books read are meaningless as books vary so much in length and then in parentheses i say this as someone who loves long reads and is bitter it looks like i don't read (laughs) as much (laughs) with a funny emoji and i totally am with you you know like i I don't think people always say like like the question we probably get the most is how do we read more how to read faster and it's like no why are you reading if you're in college and you're reading to learn something not the question that i'm answering here but like if it's a fictional book like if you're reading for the sake of enjoyment stop trying to crush out four books a week or keep up with your favorite influencer that person is doing it for their job you know so like just enjoy read at the pace that you get the most enjoyment out of the books because that's probably your goal i mean i would i I agree with a lot of the sentiment um that you're saying and that aprilatron has here i would say a little caveat to that is like if you can work within the realm of like a reading goal um helping you to read more and if that's just kind of like the type of uh personality you have and like it's just you work well with that kind of system. I would say keep, right. if you feel a certain amount of guilt or pressure, then maybe that's not really the route to go. If it's if it's still fun for you to do that, I think that's great. Um, but if you're, yeah, again, like if you're feeling like not as good of a person or something, you're less than, yeah, yeah, like then ditch it. Don't don't worry about it. Totally. I think what Aprilatron is getting at here is that it should people should be counting uh, page count. Not necessarily yes. reading goals, but I mean, I th- again, I think that's a personal thing too, you know? Yeah. Well, there's some good commentary back and forth on this because Jennifer responds, some of us really need that goal though. It keeps us centered, which kind of encapsulates exactly what you're saying. And that like, sometimes just knowing the end goal of like when you're going to stop jogging is like, will give you the motivation to keep on going, you know, cause you know yeah. when it's going to stop that when you're like at the stop sign, I get to walk and thus I'm going to push through the pain to get there, you know? I know. I think um, like counting it, like I used to do like monthly wrap ups and stuff, but I kind of stopped doing it on TikTok. And I used to like kind of show on Instagram, like all the books I'd read that month. And I mean, some people said that I should keep doing it because they like to see all the books that I've read that month. But I stopped doing it personally because like, I don't know, like a lot of the comments I was getting, people were just like, oh, I feel bad. I only read like three or I feel bad. I only read five and I read like 14. And it's just like, I don't know, as somebody with a platform, like I just don't really want to do it anymore. Like yeah. if you want to do it personally. Yeah, books should never be used as a way to like elevate yourself. Like I mean, I've read so yeah, many books I don't, I don't feel than elevated. you. Like, Ugh, get out of here. I feel, if anything, the opposite of elevated because uh, the more I read, the more I realize, the, the more I realize I don't really know. But I do think that like, like I said before, keeping a certain page count or like I think a daily page count is pretty good i think that's a cool thing if you're like all right i yeah. want to read 50 pages a day that's it's it's for my own mental health so that i can have a routine in the morning before i go to work or a routine at night when i'm trying to go to sleep or something like that because i think that the, the routine setting, sets you free yeah. yeah i think setting those kinds of things is it, it can be like super healthy for you i mean that's how i live a lot of my life is make like it realistic um yeah <laughs> you have to be realistic about these things Another uh, response to that one, Magical says, I love book-based goals to keep me going. I find pages harder to track, so anything over 350, I round up. Uh, about to finish WOR, which I'm guessing is Words of Radiance, and it will count as four books. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> That's pretty decent. He's tricked the system into oh being awesome in his own brain and <laughs> yeah. others uh, without... Uh, That's awesome. I, like I know, it's lot. funny. Sparty said word count means more than page count, and it's funny. It's like, well, what about letter count, you know? 
Uh, oh, letter count. Wow. Where my like his big words are, you know. <laughs> a thing oh, we could sure. do this all day, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's see. Uh, and also that was by for, Stein L. Besides, the way page count is better than book count. If anybody's listening and you haven't heard your hot take read out, uh, Chad and I might do a part two of this. So we, we are definitely dancing around the Discord right now. So. Yeah, we're not. We're kind of going from the top and working our way down, trying to be uh, you know, not just pick the best ones or anything because they're all really good here. So thank uh, you again for being involved and putting forth your opinions and being brave. And we'll get to you. <laughs> this one is Song of Achilles is boring. That is. A- <laughs> That is, that is a nice, short, succinct hot take right there. Yeah, and TikTok um, yeah. back comes swinging into crushing. I, know, yeah. I definitely disagree with that one. I think Song of Achilles is fucking amazing. I haven't read it. So I, I think it's say, I have it excellent. Though, I it's a really good book. I Would you recommend that over? Yeah, 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 yeah. I would. I feel like you can. I mean, a lot of people like both books equally, but I would say there seems to be like a Cersei camp and a Song of Achilles camp. And I'm very, very much in the Song of Achilles camp. I didn't really like Cersei that much, actually. That's my hot take is I didn't. I didn't. I don't think Cersei's all it's cracked up to be. I think people oh, really? really liked Song of Achilles and then Cersei came out and they were like, this is just as good. It's like, obviously not. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. she worked on Song of Achilles for 11 years. You know, like it shows too. I mean, that book is fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, for a while there, you couldn't go anywhere book related on the internet and you couldn't cross the street without tripping over uh, that book it is, a few times. It is you a know? very good book. I think you would like it a lot. Like, okay, cool. I have it. I'm going to read it. But boring. That's that's an interesting word choice. I mean, um, I think it I think it rolls along pretty well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just disagree. Yeah. Good hot take, though. Yep. Okay, our next one comes from Mr. Thomas Kidda again. Coming up twice here. Dragonlance is better fantasy series than Forgotten Realms. Oh, get out of here. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and I don't know how to say this right. NKG Irmani says, my God, you beat me to it. Both of you, get out of the dis. No, I'm just kidding. But I fully disagree. <laughs> I haven't read Dragonlance. It's still on the shelf. I, uh, I've, Man, I've started it. Realms. I've started it like twice on my Kindle. Again, though, nostalgia being a powerful, powerful filter to view oh. the past through because that is it is dripping in nostalgia for me. So, man, I, I can't say that my opinion is objective. I don't even know if we should cover this one, but this is from Kyle Cat. It just says Harry Potter is mid. Ooh, wow. Okay, so hands are hot just handling that one. Here's how I'm going to approach this. I'm going to go ahead and agree with the caveat that that it's it's like chad said like the nostalgia goggles will never be removed right for a lot of people and i think that there's a layer of icing nostalgia it's like, icing it's like we have to ask ourselves how much does the nostalgia contribute to our opinion of the quality of the work right like a can lot. can you separate those two things and i think that with some things yes but with some things it's so attached that it's like it would be absurd to try to even <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. like remove it like i uh, was I the exact same year as harry and yeah. there's so many memories like floating around those yeah. books now i did just read them a couple years ago in my tried to kind of divorce my nostalgia from my adult brain though as you were just saying i don't know Very if it was difficult. fully possible i still loved them though but again who knows <laughs> kyle cat didn't really delve into more of, of their opinion here but which is awesome just throws a grenade into the room <laughs> <laughs> i'd say it's mid in the sense that if you dig just a little bit you can find yeah, a, just a lot of flaws bit. with it. Like it, yes. it's that whole series is really held up by magic. Especially like the it's, world. It's held up by toothpicks. I mean, it's, you can really knock down that entire house of cards pretty easily by just asking a few simple questions about it. But I don't think that ne- that necessarily makes it bad because it is still effective. Right. But, it still hit a home run. 
But yeah, I think um, if you're trying to get as close to objectivity as possible with Harry Potter, I think mid is not the worst word to use with it. As <laughs> yeah. far as like writing quality, you know, if you really wanted to dig into Rowling's yeah, pros, like pros yeah, and structure, think, and yeah. yeah. I could, if someone totally. attempted the argument, I would listen to it for sure because yes. it's probably <laughs> somewhere it's kind of like in the, the Cinnabon of desserts, right? Like, it's not a good <laughs> yeah. dessert and it like kind of has, it gives you like a gut wrench. Like, you're never like, like a Cinnabon though. after the Cinnabon. You're like, whoa, I shouldn't, but like, nothing hits it, like oh it. Oh boy. Uh, and to follow on that one's coattails, the Sandman says Percy Jackson books are greater than Harry Potter books. <laughs> well, which I don't think I agree with. I think Harry Potter hit a lot harder than me than Percy Jackson. But again, nostalgia. So I did read Percy Jackson when I was younger. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Percy Jackson, I've only read three of them. I think they're solid. Like, they're, they're, they're much like the, the balance of the story is a lot tighter. Like, they just, they feel like better told, I guess. It, they've got like a better flow to them. You know, like, I don't know exactly how like to. Like, structurally? Play. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, yeah, because Harry Potter definitely. Man, those, those, those later books get a little all over the place. And yeah, like a man. Bit and, um, but I, I, I disagree with that, though. I think Harry Potter is better than Percy Jackson. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but that's get that's the nostalgia goggles on there. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've got one from Logan Ninepeners, who I just have to commend you on the coolest name. Like, Logan Ninepeaner. Wonderful. Fantastic. Um, and his hot take is Thorin Oakenshield has one of the best character arcs in all of the Tolkien movies. Interesting. In the movies. He said movies, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Character I arcs? I mean, I guess yeah. if, you, if you put it against all the other um, unambiguous characters, then I suppose maybe. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. like everybody else is like either good or evil, pretty much. I mean, I would, I would argue. You said character arcs, so uh-huh. that was specific. Because I was going to say, like, what about Boromir? Um, right and he says in lord of the rings movies but he's really like a hobbit yeah well, he's probably I mean, he's probably implying i think he's implying all the tolkien movies so that would include lord of the rings and the hobbit yeah yeah but i mean he so, specifically said lord of the rings but anyway no, he specifically <laughs> said tolkien movies oh did he really yeah yep so uh, yeah you're right you're right he did say that sorry um, sir logan uh so yeah i mean um maybe i mean definitely one of the better ones uh he says one of the best yeah. so yeah and he does go through a like I'm going to do this for revenge. Now I'm going to overcome and do it for my family. And he does have a very powerful arc. I'll give him that for what about sure. Bilbo though, isn't the whole, I yeah. mean, but I guess Bilbo in the movies is like kind of not really in the movies. Like it kind of shifts over to Thorin. Well, I mean, actually. he is in Hobbit, the Hobbit. Yeah, that's what I mean though. In the Hobbit movies, like it kind of shifts over to Thorin for the least, like a decent amount of yeah. the second and third one. I mean, a lot of it's about Bilbo in the first one, but then it, I feel like, yeah, definitely the focus kind of shifts over, especially when Thorin has like the dragon sickness and stuff like that. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Gandalf, Bilbo probably would have succumbed to the power of the ring, you know, Wait, like it was what? very hard for Wait, him to give it up. What? Wait. Oh, I you mean, mean later? He, later. Oh, later. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought you meant like right after he found it, and I was like, "Oh wait, no, what? no, no!" Gandalf like, didn't do scene, shit. Okay. Grant Gandalf yeah, gets all totally, scary and totally, big, and totally. his uh, thing is like, "Put it in the envelope," you know. And yeah, uh, I mean, Bilbo probably would have sat there in that Hobbit hole and for the next two hundred years become another Gollum. I feel like people would start to say so. Like they were already <laughs> saying, "Like, ah, oh, he's a little bit. Uh, he's still really looking old. pretty young right now." Uh, let's this see. is 11 let's years, right? 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, uh, 111, uh, it's uh, 11, 11, 11, there we go. Uh, this is from Ed Sickhouse. I haven't read it starting off strong here, but I could already tell fourth wing is whack and no one will change my, mi- no one could change my mind. 
You should read it. You yeah. should read it. Give it a go. I feel like that's an especially hot take because he hasn't read it. I know. Right? Be like, I've seen the cover for this book and it sucks and no one's changing my mind. Well, maybe the book will change your mind. Ed yeah. Scals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the book is solid. I mean, it's, I mean, it's nothing you haven't seen before, but it executes what it's trying to do pretty well. I don't know. I had a good time. <laughs> it's, I mean, people really loved it and uh, I didn't love it as much as the internet did, but I don't know. I'd probably listen to it on audiobook again, honestly. Like, it's a romp. Like, some cool shit happens okay. in that book. I would definitely want to read it. I think you'd like uh, it. Aren't... Like, yeah. I think you'd, you would, you would, like, you would probably, like, roll your eyes a couple times. Okay. But, I mean, I'd, like, the romance was cool. The okay. dragon, the dragons were cool. Okay. Our next hot take comes from Mistmatch. I, oh, man, wow. Do I agree with this? I personally thought Aragon series was better when I was younger. Speaking the truth, my friend, the truth. Yeah, I know. Uh, that was man. That drug on for a really long time. I, Crazy I, long. I really enjoyed my time reading Inheritance because of, uh, you know, say one thing for Paolini, he can definitely immerse you pretty well. I think I felt some pretty strong immersion in there. I had a good sense of he place. Also bore you? Uh, yeah, there's some boring parts of those books. Like there is like definitely the army is attacking, and we're like with Aragon making bread. Yeah, uh, there's pretty much all of Brissinger. I was just like, man, I am so bummed out right now. (laughs) Totally. But then Inheritance was pretty cool, actually. I thought the last book was pretty solid. It does pull up from its dive. Yeah, it it definitely does. And then, like, after reading Brissinger, my opinion of Eldest was, like, heightened so much, you know? Because at first I was like, ah, Eldest is, like, not that great. And then I read Brissinger and I was like, Eldest kicks ass. This book is stupid. Yeah. yeah, totally. And it was funny because it was originally intended to be three books. And then Paolini was like, no, it's got to be four. I have so much to say. And I think that's just kind of like he didn't have the editor. And maybe he was just trying to milk it because he loved being, you know, the the person who wrote these, like the youngest, you know, author. And like they were ride that train a little longer or something because, man, I totally disagree with him. He did not need that fourth book. Okay, so BR Reads says... All the Young Dudes is better than the original Harry Potter books. accepted with open arms on this yep. podcast. <laughs> I mean, for me, yeah, I think it's better. I think it's it's awesome. I think everybody should go read All the Young Dudes. If you're a Harry Potter fan, go read All the Young Dudes. That, that shit is great. It's very, very good. Um, I I wish King Bean could get millions of dollars. I, J.K. Rowling should give her money. You'd throw I mean, her some change. I don't know. Sure. I mean, it's awesome. It's very, very good. Again, like the better is such a strong word you know i mean like uh, i'm sure a lot of people would disagree harry potter definitely there's there's a lot there's a lot around it you know they made some some okay movies out of it <laughs> and all the young dudes show would be fantastic fantastic yeah i haven't read as much as you obviously but uh, the little bit that i have read i very much enjoyed it for sure you know, th- there's something to be said for it to come to harry potter's defense here is <laughs> like it i think it. <laughs> that, yeah i know right but like all the young dudes was written with a different target audience in mind i think it was written like by an adult for adults i feel like where and so like as an adult reading it i kind kind of tend to resonate a little bit more with the story Maybe, structure yeah. and the things that the characters care about so that could have a bit of an influence though like that's i don't want to defend harry potter too much here <laughs> I mean, Harry Potter is just like sleuth solving, you know. I mean, like yeah, to, to yeah. reduce it really down to what it is. I mean, it's just people. It's just it's just kids solving mysteries. And there's like a um, Cinderella story locked in there too. In the, in the and like a romance books. that's super weak, pretty weak. But uh, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the romance in all the young dudes is not weak. It is a slow burn, baby. Like it is. You've talked to me about that multiple times and singing its plurals. It's great. Yeah. Next hot take is from Stein L. 
who says, I unapologetically judge book by their covers. More power yeah. to you, Stanel. Do, <laughs> Do it. Life is short. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I don't judge know. Judge him. Judge him. Uh, you, might, there, you might miss out on some good books, but you might, you'll, yeah. you'll probably read a lot of really good ones too, though. So yeah. trust your gut, you know? Yeah, though you should read the Name of the Wind series because that book has a super terrible cover and it's really good. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is from Sarah Rella. Sarah Rella says, special editions are not special. They're a money grab. Maybe they look pretty, but what's so special about owning one copy out of 100,000 available copies that are too pretty to read? Damn. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, they also say, I agree with the existence of special editions in general. My take is directed at the oversaturation of the market. It ruins the concept entirely. Interesting. Yeah, because like a special edition should be special, right? It's like Just like how I hate... In and uh, fantasy books where one character like this happened in Davabad. One character has magic and she's special because of it. And the next thing you know, she's in a city full of everyone else having the same magic powers. And you're like, cool. So she's not special anymore. Awesome. Um, I don't know. I kind of disagree with this because it's, it's like kind of harmless fun. I mean, if they're going to print that many copies anyway, print some that look really cool. I think maybe, I mean, it's, it's I, for making money, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's all making money, man. Like, yeah, but I mean, like, not like, not, I mean, that's kind of taking, that's milking like, a little bit. Like, because it's some person trying to express themselves in art. Like, not all people set out to make a book. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's like, of course, it's a money grab. Like, the whole point of selling the books is a money grab. Like, why not just yeah. not sell the book at all? You know, this one's more like, egregious, though. I would say, uh, if the, the thing about this that's interesting is when Sarah Rella points out, like one owning one copy out of a hundred thousand doesn't really make it that special, and I, I kind mm -hmm. of would probably agree with that to a certain extent. I think having a having a copy of a book that is a little bit more expensive that looks a little flashier, I think is cool. And if you wanted like a really special edition, um, and you really wanted to do like something really rare, I think what, making like only like five hundred of them or something would be kind yeah. of interesting you know like so that it's like actually really really rare you know but um i don't totally. know that i haven't put a whole lot of thought into this special i've i've seen some discourse on this before but i never really weighed in before so i'm gonna look around a little bit more and see what other people are saying about this our next hot take comes from bookish gamer girl who um yeah yeah hot take can we stop saying a book someone else loved was terrible just because we might not have liked it let's normalize just saying eh it wasn't for me, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Don't yuck my yum, man. And I think the bigger cultural thing that she's getting at is like, don't allow your opinion of someone else to be lowered or be mean or justify you being a jerk to them because you guys don't like the same sort of books like that. Yeah. We all like different things. You know, I like cardigans. Evan probably, I've never, probably doesn't like wearing cardigans. Like, it doesn't matter. We're all different. And I think the more respect towards each other that we can bring forth in communities that are focused around our love of a certain art form is definitely for the best yeah i mean i, I think i mentioned this when i was talking with mj kuhn on this last interview that i did i think there's nothing really wrong with a negative critique of something at all like no. inherently i think it's uh, if anything it's usually pretty interesting especially if it's something but that i constructively. like constructively uh yeah i mean like if you have legitimate critiques of something um and even if you say like that book is terrible and here's why here's the reasons i think it's terrible using that nuance i think is a lot is a lot better than just outright saying that book is trash and nobody should read it and like, right it's just like i don't know uh, you're you're obviously wrong because a lot of people say they liked it like are those people lying is that what you're claiming right. you know what i mean like, and her uh her message is specifically towards can we stop saying a book someone else loves so it's like there's that someone else loved is important right because i think it's really what she's saying is like 
obviously someone was like, I love this book. And someone was like, it was terrible. It's in response to it. You know, it's not just being like throwing it out there randomly. It's like going up against someone who said it's awesome. I think I'm kind of jaded to it at this point too, being on social media where I yeah. like, I'll, I'll kind of like sing a book's praises and then inevitably someone's in the comment section that's just like, that book fucking sucks. And it's just like, cool, thanks for the contribution. Like, right. I yeah, don't, no, like, I'm the conversation. But if somebody had said, you know, I didn't like the way that this story was set up and the, the way it resolved or something like that, it's right, like, I respect that way more. I respect that way more. It's an unfortunate part of being in an art community with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, you know. Uh, yeah, though opinions at the end of the day are a good thing. Just be nice about them. So this one is from J.L. Burrow. Hot take, we are in a golden age of fantasy, and in five to seven plus years, the industry is going to look a lot like the movie industry, which is just bloated series, special editions, mm. unnecessary prequel sequels to try and bring back the COVID-19 spending levels we've seen in the last few years. <laughs> uh, I disagree with this wholeheartedly wholeheartedly i disagree with this yeah i don't think a golden era needs to lead to a trash era uh that's a really good point um i think that probably i think a lot of mediums of entertainment have said this and it end up happening like it does happen sometimes but i don't think it's going to happen like i think there are too many okay let me sorry let me let me let me reel back a little bit here's here. your let me slide that soapbox under you climb up and give it to us evan i think if the only books being published were books from the big five and there were no independent publishers there were no small presses there were no, no indie authors for those nothing like that if that literally didn't exist i would be more concerned like i would be much more concerned that there would be a lot more trend chasing yes there will be trend tra chasing and yes the big five publishers are going to be are going to continue putting out things that they know are going to sell just like what's happening now medium. but i do think that what is what is making this a golden age of fantasy are the small presses and are the independent uh, authors and one of the uh, one of the ways that the community can continue this golden age and lead us into another really great age of fantasy is to continue propping up independent authors continue supporting small presses and things like that mm. like that is going to keep us in here and i think that we are trending that way i think that I mean, look what happened with Travis Baldry with yeah. Lessons and Lattes. I mean, like he just wrote that in his house and threw it up on the internet and it blew up. And now look at this. Like now we're three years past COVID-19 and look what happened. You know, like we right. have cozy fantasy out the wazoo. That's the, the industry is changing and revolving around what people are deciding to read that goes viral on the internet in a completely independent way. And I, I can share the concern that we are going to get a lot of like rehash stuff, but I mean, it's just like, of, of course we are. I mean, we get rehash stuff, but yeah, it's just like with the movie industry or, t or TV or whatever. It's like, yeah, a lot of stuff gets rehashed. A lot of, you know, the Disney will big companies keep chasing a buck. Yes, they absolutely will. But at the same time, look at all the independent films that are doing pretty right. well. Like, look at, look at every, like there is such a market for, for a small uh, artistic development like jail borrow i totally understand your point though i see what you're saying but i think even jail borrow would hope that you're right you know and while covid did hugely give a boost to book sales book sales have been rising over the last like six or seven years yes it did infuse the industry for sure but i think more than anything is the freedom and the instantaneous nature of technology and information these days we can go up on tiktok someone who nobody you know, there's artists musical artists who have become the first top selling download on itunes for three weeks in a row because they blew up on tiktok they don't have a record deal or anything. And I think the more we can connect 
the consumers with the producers and cut out the middlemen. We're going to become more efficient and uh, we won't marketers will be less powerful. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be an interesting next few years for sure. I think I think we're going to see a rise in independent books, just like we have been continuously seeing a rise in independent books. Um, and I don't I hope this doesn't come off as preachy. I really, really try not to do that. But you can you listening right now, you can be part of the solution. You can seek out independent books. You can seek out small presses. Or you can be look, an independent book writer. You can look for those stories that are written by people of color, by different gendered people that would normally be very, very exposed in these kinds of genres and things like that. Like, look for this kind of stuff. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, force yourself to read this stuff and check it out. And don't just read the Colleen Hoovers. You know, don't just read the Sarah J. Mosses. Read the Colleen Hoovers and Sarah J. Mosses if you want to. For sure. I mean, I read that stuff sometimes, but there's a reason that millions love them. Like, continue looking for that stuff. It's out there, you know. I'm not saying all the responsibility is on you. I think a lot of the responsibility is on people like me, like people that have platforms, you know, like that's why I'm trying to platform more independent books and things like that. I'm trying to enlarge my landscape of what I'm reading and what I'm exposing people to. But like, you can also vote with your wallet in this regard too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, you really can. And that's what these publishers listen to. You know, it's, it's wallets, yep. you know? So that's, that's my take on it. Perfect. Maybe that's uh, a hot take too. I don't know. I don't think so. I think, uh, I, I liked it, Evan. And you can, you, you, you use the soapbox. Well, my friend, uh, next one was from Drea reads a lot. The Ballad of songbirds and snakes prequel was better than the entire hunger games trilogy. Wow. I haven't read it. I've heard it's awesome. I think it's about snow. Like the guy that Donald Sutherland played in the movies. Uh, oh, okay. I'm going to put that in my find and read. Uh, I've heard it's list, very good. That seems really yeah. cool. I don't even know if that's that hot of a take. I've heard mostly that people really enjoyed it and that Susan Collins was just like totally in the zone for that book. Wow. We've got two. That's the second one so far that we have of like the adjacent work or the yeah, things written, you know, that was next to it was better than the original, you know, which is a. Uh, which is rare is a lot of times it's like a little like derivative and just like, cool, this is like a money grab, but like obviously not for the case of all the young dudes. Like, like they're not making anything from it, you know? Okay. So Kayle says the invisible life of Addie LaRue is boring and pretentious. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I didn't love it for different reasons. Um, I don't think it was really boring. I thought it was a pretty cool concept, honestly. Uh, pretentious. Uh, I don't know. I don't like bandying that word around very much. Uh, I, I agree with Kaylee, though, that like it, I didn't love it. Like, I didn't think it was that great. Like, I, I think it was blown up. But like to reduce it down, like, I mean, it, it kind of is just about a woman like just going to libraries and coffee shops like over a long period of time. Like, I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, I think that the idea was really awesome. I think it probably would have made a better novella or short story than an actual novel. But I mean, it's what V.E. Schwab wanted to write, and V.E. Schwab probably had a great time uh, writing it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it didn't wow me, that's for sure. Like, it, it wasn't a book that I was like, when I finished it, I was like, wow, like, that's just like, what an amazing book. I was just kind of stoked to be done with it. Okay, here is a book that is actually very pretentious, though. Let's hear it, Chad. The Autobiography of William Shatner. <laughs> Go sit and read that book, man. It is ridiculous. Like half of it was like lauding himself through like the eyes of his mother and like making fun of Star Trek fans who came and like paid to shake his hand. And like it's pretty pretentious. It's pretty awful. Okay. Melanie. 
says, I think Colleen Hoover is so overrated. Threw the so in there. Bam, well, bam, bam, bam. Wow. Okay. Let's close this out with some Colleen Hoover discussion. I, I guess. know. Well, wow. we really ended on a sizzling note. I don't know, man. Like, I, I think I have publicly talked about my disdain for the word overrated uh, a couple right, of right. times. Like, but explain it again because it's, it's got a good reason to it. Okay, I'm not trying to put your comment down, Melanie. You're very much entitled to your opinion. I'm not. I am also not a big fan of Colleen Hoover's work. I don't think it's particularly good. I don't think it's anything special at all, really. Um, but overrated is a strange term to use because it is. It's act. It's, it can't be anything other than accurately rated. I think what happens is that when something becomes really, really popular, we immediately associate it. If we haven't engaged with that media, what we do is we associate it with being something that is so good that a lot of people really like it. Therefore, we would really like it. And it's not the same thing. You know what I mean? It's not mm. like it's a, it's a leap that you're taking. You know what I mean? So I think that things can be overrated to you. Right. Um, and I think that that's, and I think and that's be, where I would defend Melanie. Yeah, exactly. I would also defend like, Melanie here and say, I think what Melanie means here is uh, Colleen Hoover is overrated to me. And it says, I think so. That's perfectly fine. Um, right, right. Like, I don't think she's saying like everyone who loved Colleen Hoover shouldn't love Colleen Hoover. She's just saying like, I don't like Colleen Hoover. And I think it's weird that so many people do. Maybe. Yeah, I think um, like I don't like it as much as everybody says that they like it. Or yeah, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it surprised her at the amount, like the amount of accolades it received. And okay, so I've only read one Colleen Hoover book, but this this is my theory. And I think what Colleen Hoover does is she thinks of a really juicy situation. And I use the word juicy in the sense where it's like, it's like if you're on the internet and you see a random video of like two teenagers fighting each other, and it's like you're not right. gonna scroll past it like immediately because hell no, what the fuck is going on here? Especially if it says something like "little guy destroys bully." Yeah, exactly, something like that where you're, or you know, it's like um, some guy that's like tearing apart the kitchen in a McDonald's or something. It's like you're probably gonna watch a little bit of that, you know. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I think that's kind of what Colleen Hoover books are. It's like. It's like, let's take this train wreck situation. I was just going to say watching a train wreck. Yeah. And I think that that's what's very approachable for a lot of people is they're just like, holy Mm. shit, what the, what's the tea? You know what I mean? Like what's, what's going on here? Like, this is crazy. And I think that she takes those situations and just follows them through and like shows like how, like how messed up a situation could be. But yeah, I mean, there was nothing when I was reading it, I wasn't like, wow, like I could totally see why this right. like this is amazing you know like no it's not it's there's not. also different reasons that people read things right like one of my um former partners loved to watch a certain uh niche of tv because the characters lives in that niche of tv was so chaotic and messy and just out of this world that it made her feel good about her own life and so it was like you know she wasn't watching it because it was good television she would actively tell you it was te- terrible but she loved to be like but at least I don't have that going on. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that people just pull different things out of different situations that they read in books and people can, we talked about this before, but people can, connect, your life. people connect with certain things. So there are things that happen in some Colleen Hoover books that I'm sure people have read and really connected to and said, wow, like this situation reminds me a lot of a situation that I was in once I was in an abusive relationship or I was, you know, whatever Colleen Hoover writes about. Um, nice. know, like I just got out of prison and, and wanted to, and fell in love with this bartender or whatever. There's some there's some juice to be squeezed out of that fruit for sure. Um, but yeah, I think Melanie, uh, I'm on your side. Where I I definitely feel like like for me personally, I I don't really understand 
why she's so freaking popular like it's like because not not only that here's and i think maybe this might this might be a little bit added on to what melanie's saying and melanie if you're here with us maybe you would agree with me but there are a lot of authors that write the same thing that colin hoover writes and they're nowhere near the same kind of sales like she has like she has dominated so thoroughly like the Mm -hmm. genre that she writes which is a genre that's for one thing been around for a while and a lot of writers are writing in it if you were um (laughs) if you were like reading middle reader books in the late 90s and you (laughs) and you read a lot of them right and then all of a sudden here comes this juggernaut harry potter you know what i mean and it comes in and just destroys the entire genre and like no one's talking about anything else other than that and i feel like maybe some of the frustration that a lot of readers have with regard to colleen hoover is it's like what about all these authors in this genre that I really love that aren't getting any screen time here? Like right. nobody's talking about them because Colleen Hoover has six out of the top ten bestseller right. books. She's of the like year. sex drama, outrageous plot twist, sex drama, <laughs> outrageous plot twist. <laughs> but man, I mean, I'm I'm also a sucker for sex drama, outrageous plot twist. So <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> I'll, I'll read it. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, everybody. That was a fun conversation. We agreed with some stuff. We disagreed with some stuff. Yeah. That, was, that was exactly what I thought this was going to be. This is great. When I saw how many of them there were, and about 15, 20 minutes into the episode, I started a 45-minute countdown timer on my clock, and it just went off about five minutes ago. So if you were left out of this, which I know we didn't get to them all, you will be covered in a next in another Friday Forge when we do this again, because this should be a thing. Let's see how the backlash co- <laughs> yeah. is. I mean, obviously, people have opinions. I love it. And we get to share everyone's. It's cool. Yeah, we have our own, too. And uh, yeah, yeah, everybody's opinion is welcome. You know, just don't put anybody else down. Don't tell anybody they're stupid. Don't do anything like that. You know, like everybody's yeah. 100% entitled to their opinions. But um, we here at Book Reviews Co. like really understand that books are fairly innocuous on their face, but also people develop pretty intense emotional attachments to Absolutely. the stories that they read. That's one of the beautiful things about reading is that you're able to form those attachments. Right. The characters are your friends. Yeah, keep that in mind sometimes when when you're just not even with the podcast or with the Discord or whatever, but just in general, you know, just try to remember that people associate different feelings to different things that they read than you do, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's a short distance between your book opinion sucks to you suck, regardless of your intention. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, that's going to do it for us today, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's a little different than what we usually do, but it's I think fun, that's though. good. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's absolutely. Absolutely. We're going all sorts of new places here. Woo! Yeah, let's freshen things up. Anyway, I'm going to go take a shower. I am uh, my my back really hurts. You're saying what's going that yesterday? On. Did you trip down some stairs or something? I think I like pinched a nerve in my back oh. when I was playing drums, and um, I try to keep going as too good hard trying to hit a Dragon Force that, song. Uh, no, I can't play that shit, but. I don't have a double bass pedal. I probably actually could if I had a double bass You probably bass could. Pedal. Evan's a very good drummer, everyone. The, the drummer for Dragon Force sits up very straight when he plays. I'm, I'm very impressed. I'm very proud of him. You need to for like having proper... If you're going to spend that much time sitting, I bet you it's a good workout there. You're probably so sweaty. I thought I was sitting up straight, but I guess I was... Something happened because, yeah, I had to take muscle relaxants today. Oh, wow. I've Dang. never taken them before. Yeah. I uh, got prescribed some muscle relaxants because... I am not the spring chicken I once was. So I know, isn't that well? That does mean that you're like a very adult for even being able to admit that. I'm like, I'm still on my prime, and then I sleep on like a, the rocky ground when I'm camping, and uh, like wake up next morning, like, oh, I feel that for like three days. Yeah, I feel pretty. Sore, I went and played anyway. pickleball with my sister yesterday. Hi, Katie, and uh, well, man, I feel those runs for sure. You know, you just gotta, just gotta eat your vegetables. You yep, know? keep on trying, and your peanut butter <laughs> milkshakes. Yeah, keep eating your peanut butter milkshakes, everybody. It's, it's the nectar of the gods. 
All right, everybody. Again, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.